Thank you. Uh, this young man was, um, was, was um, coming to a preacher, right? And he came to the preacher and said, I want to know God. I want to know God in the depth of my soul. I want to pursue God. I want to I live for God. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want my passion to be fired up by God. He said, you want to do this? Oh, and he talked to the pastor like two hours. The pastor said, great. Go meet me tomorrow at 31st Street Beach um, and, and meet me in the water right there at Lake Michigan. Oh, man. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, my, I'm going to know the God, my passion in my heart. Thank you. Two o'clock next day, Pastor's out there in the water waiting on a young man. He comes in and he says, he sees the Pastor, he comes, comes, and, and the man gets in the water. He's just waiting. He said, you want to know God, the passion of your heart? You want to know your, what your passion is? You want to live for God in that passion? He said, yeah. Then put your hands together. He put his hands together and he dipped him in the water, but he held him down. He dipped him and held him. Then he brought him back up, and he held him back down again. Like three or four times, the pastor brings him up and brings him down, brings him up and brings him down. The man got, man, stop it, man. Man, you want to pass the eye, man. That's what he said, right? Then he said, I came out here for you to show me God and give me the passion for God and I want me to go deeper with God and I can live in that space. You up here trying to drown me. The pastor said, look, when you pursue God, like you did that oxygen you was trying to get, you'll find your passion. When you pursue God with everything you got trying to live, you'll see him. And the passion that's within you will come forth. Wow. I would wonder if our lives could be that way. I would wonder if our lives could mimic that level of thirst, that level of pursuing God. Scriptures say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and I use the New Living Translation, so there might be a different version that you may use, but you'll see it on the screen in the NIV version that's there. But Matthew 6, 33 says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, that seems simple enough. Pursue God with everything you have as, as, as the world tends to say, get this first, get this first, get this first, and then this will happen. God said, no, stop all that. Pursue me, and in pursuing me, the things that are the desires of your heart, either A, may fade away because you don't even think those are valuable anymore, or two, may bring forth something new that you never even knew you had in you. But here's my theory. We don't do that because we scared. I just got this job, God. I just went to school for this, God. I just... You mean if I pursue you, there might be something he may cause you to do that may look, sound, and feel a little bit different than what you thought you should be doing. You see, you can't pursue passion and living for God outside of going through God, outside of living for God, outside of pursuing all of God, outside of putting God first in every facet of your life. You can't do that. It doesn't really work that way. Christ in Mark chapter 12, gives us a formula of how passion can really be lived out. And he says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is most important? Now, what's crazy is that in the Jewish culture, none of the commandments are more important than the other. So it's sort of a trick, like, which one are you going to say? Don't covet. Don't use God's name in vain. What, what do you... So he's trying to use it almost as a way to say, okay, I, I, that's the one I do all the time. So I must be okay. That's what he's trying to use it as a trick. 
Christ is so smooth, though. He's just too smooth with it, man. You can't get it over on Jesus. He said, he says, the most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Drop the mic. Back on up. I'm leaving the stage. Get out my face. <laughs> he just gave it to him, right? He just gave it to him. The beauty about what Christ is saying in the midst of this, right? He's saying that the Ten Commandments that you know of all hang in this continual movement of what God is saying. He's saying it doesn't end because I say this. It's a continuation because of what I'm saying. Four of the first four commandments are about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. For, you know, no other God before me. Keep your name, keep my name out your mouth. Don't use God's name in vain. So keep, that's just a hood way of saying don't use God's name. Get, keep my name out your mouth. Um, those first four are primarily loving me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then loving your neighbor as yourself are the other six. So God is saying, God is saying, hey, the continuation of the Ten Commandments is followed right through this. That will cause you to think through your motives, your motives in life, right? So, so God is saying, even in the New Testament scriptures where he, Christ gives the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Plain, depending on which text you use, Christ is saying, you've heard it said, don't hate somebody. Well, guess, I mean, don't, don't kill somebody. Well, if you hate them, it's just like murdering them. Christ is saying the spirit of the law, the motive of the law is deeper than just the act alone. Following, pursuing God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the motive versus just pursuing passion because it's cute to do or because it's a part of a movement or because it's a part of church or there's some pressure. Don't look on a woman lustfully. <laughs> because in so doing... You've already committed adultery. So God is saying the, 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 the spirit of the law, he's saying the, the spirit of the law is what I'm, and the spirit of, of, of life in Christ is what I want us to live in. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2 and 3, give a qualification, I believe, of what it means to live in that motive. It says, all a person's ways seem pure to them, seem justifiable to flip somebody off because they cut you off. That's just wrong. You get the bird. They just seem, don't act like I'm the only one. I don't do that. I don't believe that. I said, well, no, don't act like I'm the only one up in here. So he's saying it seemed justifiable to you, right? Hey, they should have counted the change. Hey, they're supposed to be working in the bank. They're supposed to know how much money. Hey, they're supposed to count it. Whatever it might be. All a person's ways seem innocent or pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plan. You know, the, the King James Version, the version we don't use that much, it says even your thoughts will be established. How often are we walking through life with impure motives, certain agendas? Versus God, lead me, guide me, and direct me. As I pursue you, as I pursue you, as I pursue you, you lead and guide me. And if it, if it is what it is, it is what it is because you got my front, my back, and my side to side. You got this. So I'm pursuing you, and it's going to be what it is because I want my motives to be pure 
before you. I don't want to be held back by that. The beauty about this passage is that Christ quotes a prayer that is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This prayer is called the Shema. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. They leave out mind. Christ brings that back in, in, in Mark, and we'll talk about that and why he did that in a second. But here's the deal. The Jews were held in captivity there in Egypt. Egypt has them enslaved for, th- for hundreds of years, right? Here is now the leader, Moses. Moses was an infant child raised by Pharaoh's daughter, like a son to the king of Pharaoh, right? Because the king heard about a ruler coming, tried to kill a bunch of kids, but they got Moses out in time. The Pharaoh's daughter ends up raising this quote-unquote leader of the Jews indirectly. How God's humor is, right? You're going to kill all the people that I, we, we, you know a leader's coming? Guess what? You're going to raise the leader. <laughs> God is just like... Whoop the bam, catty wampus like that, like my fashion style. So, so what happens is they raise him in the palace, and he's become one of the sons of Pharaohs. He begins to recognize, and his mama was there raising him. It was a whole movement of that. As he's there, he um, ends up killing a, 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 a Egyptian who was fighting with an Israelite, and rumor began to say, "Oh, he's the one who killed this person." Killed it. So he leaves Egypt and flees. And for forty years, he's just out having uh, um, a time away from God, just distance away. God prompts his heart to come back to his people, right? Prompts his heart to come back to his people. He goes to Egypt. All these ten plagues come. He frees people from Egypt. He was told, hey, send 12, disciples, 12 spies into the promised land, one person for every tribe. They go into the promised land. They're there for 40 days. They all come back and make them, yo, we had grapes as big as my head. Yo, them grapes was huge. Man, papayas, mango. Man, they got a golf course. Whatever it was, they was like, yo, it's crazy. They was hooping in there, soccer. Man, they was going everything, man. And man, it's beautiful in there. Man, look at this food. They were bringing everything back. Look at these, look at these ribs. I know we ain't supposed to eat no ribs, but these ribs is good. <laughs> and they were all 12, all 12 spies were saying, this is fantastic. Ten of them said, oh, this is great. But, uh, but they, they scary people in there. They're going to they gonna, they gonna hurt us if we go up in there. God wants us to take that land. Why don't, the, why don't, why don't we do the land next to it? They're they some scary people, right? Two of, the, two of the spies said, no, God's God is God. I promise. Everywhere our foot lies is going to be our kingdom. The ten people said, y'all want to listen to them too or listen to us? And got the whole Israel community swayed away from God. God said, okay, that's how you're going to be. You're going to spend one year walking around the promised land for every day you were in the promised land. So for 40 years, they walk around. There you go. Hey, y'all, we're going to be over there in a minute. Walking around. You imagine? Here's the promise. You say, hey, huh, throw me a grape, man. Throw me a grape, man. Can you throw me a grape? I mean, you could not go into the promised land. You just could not go. Now, as you're about to go into the promised land, the 40 years have passed. Those folks who did say, God, we don't believe in you, are now passed away. And now this new generation is about to go into the promised land. And Moses is wanting to give them this the Deuteronomy, the second telling of the law, this, this message. Now, look, look, the promised land is our passion, but that's not where our passion lies. Our passion lies in the Shema. The passion lies in that we will love the Lord our God with all our heart, 
mind, soul, and strength. When we start there, everything else is gravy. So as you're about to enter into this new land, this promise that was given to us years and years ago, recognize this. We're not going to end up like we did 40-something years ago. We're going to end up fresh because everybody's mindset, I want you to know you are in the mindset of pursuing all that God would have you to pursue. So as you enter into this blessing, you can truly experience it. That's what he's trying to tell them as he brings this Shema. As he teaches them this, let's seek after God's promises. In this Shema, there are six words we're going to look at. And in these six words, I believe they can hold the truth for us to really settle in pursuing God that God would then bring forth and fan the flame of our passion. Not only bring and fan the flame of our passion, but also give us the courage and strength to sustain the passion that God calls us into. The first word, as he says here, listen. Listen in, is the same word as Shema. Shema means to listen, to pay attention, to act, to respond. So to obey. Sometimes in the Old Testament they would say Shema, Shema, which means you better really listen because it's a double emphasis they're trying to let you understand. God is saying listen, act, respond, obey what I'm going to say to you. As he moves through this text, he is asking us to listen, to obey. Not only just listen to what I say, but also do what I say. The second word is Lord. He says, listen, O Israel, to the Lord. Is The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. Lord is a word called Adonai. But here's how Adonai even came to be. I'm saying all this because I'm going somewhere. Walk with me. Walk with me. Walk with me. He's saying, Adonai, Lord, you are, you were, you, you is, and you will forever be. You are all of that. Now, when Moses was in the wilderness and God called him to his people, he said, hey, who am I going to say should, should be sending me? And he said, tell them, Ayah sent you. Ayah, Ayah means I will be. Why? Because God is before, between, and beyond, right? So how do you go to people and say, Ayah sent you? Because he is God, not Moses. So he said, say this to the people. Tell them that Yahweh sent you. Yahweh sent you. I am who I am. He will be, right? So God's name is undescribable because God <laughs> doesn't need anybody to define him. God's existence is not destined on anyone or anything. He's God all by himself. Hear, O Israel, respond, listen, obey Yahweh. Woo-wee! That's good for me right there. I'm, I don't need any more. I'm done with that. It's as if you uh, admire someone and they have a trumpet to come here and blow the trumpet and be like, here, Soul City, this person who we all love, listen. We're going to be like, okay, what was he about to say or what is she about to say, right? This is God saying, listen, hear, respond, obey but I, God, who covers you, who is before, beyond, in between, and between, and, and all of that, trust me. Trust me. The one who is and forever will be. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, our God, the God alone. And you must love the Lord your God. Love is a word in the Hebrew he gives called ahava. 
Ahava is a word that is basically uh, a generalization of love. It is like, I love my child. I love my parents. I love my wife. It is a general, I love this leader. I love these people. Um, it, is, it is a generalization of love, right? It is a, a complementary, though, of God who is the originator of love. God in his essence is love. It's like you take a sponge and you soak, soak it up with something that's uh, on the ground. It's a lot of water, a lot of Kool-Aid or whatever. You poke that sponge, Kool-Aid's coming out the sponge. God is that way with love. You poke God, love just drips off all over God, right? So God is essence is love, right? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 9. God loved us first because we had nothing to really offer God to complement his love for us. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other people. You were nothing. Like we say in the, in the West, you was Nathan. You was Nathan. Nothing in, in, the, in the ghetto Greek. The ghetto Greek. Nathan. The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord, Ahava, you, and kept the oath he swore to you, ancestors, and he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, uh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful, God, keeping his covenant of Ahava to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his command. When do Nathan, and he said, I got you. I just want you to give it back. I am the originator of love. And as I ask you to listen, hear, respond, and obey, Adonai, God who is before, between, and beyond love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Heart is a word, and this is my uh, uh, phonetics of my uh, parochial school learning here as I'm trying to break this Hebrew down, is hev, lev, L-E-V. And lev is a word in the Hebrew with heart. In the Jewish culture, it was not necessarily a word from mind in the Hebrew culture, but heart was where everything came from. So heart was where you thought. Heart was where your choices were. Heart was where you physically um, did things. Heart was where your motives were. Heart was where your emotions were. So everything sprung from the heart. So heart in this context is the essence of everything you are, essence of everything you do, essence of everything that springs forth from your life, right? Even in Hebrew or even in, even in the New Testament where Scripture says it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, but what comes out because what comes out comes from the heart. So the heart in the Hebrew culture is everything coming forth. That's why scriptures like Proverbs 4.23 say, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do follows it. What are you letting in your heart that's distracting you from following God? What's in competition? Because there may be some things that are not evil, but maybe they're just good, but they're not great. They're not the great thing that God would say, ah, if you just follow me, if you push that away, suppress that, move that along, gave that up, confess that over to me, watch me fill it with something that means what is meaningful to me and you for what I've got you here to do. He says, listen, obey, hear, O Israel, Adonai, your God who is before, between, and beyond. 
is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Soul is a word called nephish. Nephish is not a, a word, in, it, 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 I mean, soul is not a, a, a word that's really um, uh, uh, able to be broken down. Really, soul literally means throat. It just means throat. Physically, it means throat. But, but watch the, the spiritual connection with throat. When you are drinking something, nourishing something, right, that nourishment is filling your whole body. The essence of what it is is going down your throat, right? In, in, in the scripture context of soul, it is what is going in you to nourish all of you. So in the midst of having a nephish, there's, there are texts that talk about the nephish is, 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 nephish is the essence of who you are. Talk, they talk about a nephish killers, people who kill the soul, right? They talk about um, people who are kidnapping people. They, they stole the nephish, meaning they stole that person, the essence of who they are, right? It is the entire being. Oftentimes, there's Greek understanding of soul, meaning that the soul is in the body, and when the person passes away, the soul leaves, like, like, like some... Um, like a, a ghost in the machine type of stuff, right? But it doesn't work that way. As God is saying, our soul is our essence, our whole being. Like in Scripture where Psalms 42, 1 and 2, it says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul, so my nephish thirsts for you. The deer is drinking water. He's paralleling that to the essence of my soul. My soul is dry. It is tired. It is hurt. It's my being, my essence. God is saying, listen, respond, obey, O Israel. Adonai, the God is before, between, and beyond, is Lord alone. And you must love him, the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Strength is a word that I like. It's miad, mihad, miad. Miad is a word that means very much. It's a word that is like an adverb that comes alongside of another word to shine light on that, on that word, right? It's not necessarily uh, a word that means strength. It's shining a light on strength. In essence, mihad means muchness. Muchness. I like that part. Muchness. That's like another tattoo somewhere. Muchness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and muchness. It leaves nothing out. There's no there's no corner in your life where muchness uh, can't be found. You need to stuff that with some more muchness and more strength. I mean, when you're lifting something, you're not, if you're lifting a, a couch up the stairs and the person behind you going too fast, you're not focused on, man, I should probably maybe grill later on. No, you're, you're focused. Your fingers don't get jammed up. Man, slow down. Slow down. You're trying to go up the stairs. You're focused. All your strength on what's happening. Your muchness is very much concentrating on what's taking place. What if Phil Jackson could live his life that way? What if Phil Jackson could live his life? Not the coach. This is me. I don't know if you didn't know him, Phil. But I want to make sure. What are you talking about Phil Jackson about? Um, <laughs> if I can live my life that way, where that is my muchness, every nook and cranny of my life is there to serve, to live, to glorify God, then God pulls out of me. Ah, this is what I called you to be and called you to do and called you to serve. This is the passion I'm stirring up in you. You know, scriptures that we looked at earlier in the year about the Lord's Prayer, that God wants heaven on earth, right? That let, let God's will be done on earth as it is in? Okay, one more time. God's will on earth as it is in? Right? And so God wants down here to look like up there. And he wants down here to look like up there because uh, 
up there, all things glorify God. Everyone's focused on glorifying God. All strength, heart, mind, soul is glorifying God. And in the midst of that, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I created this earth to look like this. And guess what he starts with? He starts with you and me. That we would pursue him so honestly, so with pure motives, seeking after him with all of our muchness, that then God stirs our hearts up for senior citizens. And now we're like, wait a minute, I just got this corporate position, but God, I'm pursuing you, and I cannot stop thinking about how we got to work on senior citizens. I cannot stop thinking about how this must happen with these who are unjust over this way. Or I kind of, I don't know where it came from, but God, I got to pursue that. Because God says, you pursue me with all your muchness, the passion of who you are in me comes out. God is the originator of muchness. His son, Jesus Christ's whole focus was on us and how we would be closer to God, how we can have a relationship with the Father, how we can uh, live a life full, not just of whatever's the day-to-day situation, but that we would live full in him. As we pursue Christ, the muchness overcomes us, and then we live for him. You see, the disciples, they weren't that much to talk about while they were with Christ as they were discovering what this muchness was like. But then after he bounced and came back, they were like, hold up, wait a minute. This is how we get down? Ah! And they started doing things that other people thought they shouldn't have ever done. They're not educated enough. They can't think enough. They, they must be drunk. What's going on with them? Because they suspected their muchness. And that's what maybe why some of us are fearful of. Is my, is my muchness a guy going to be suspected around my peers, around other people, or around my family after they pay for this education? God's got you. So here's the whole script. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, listen, obey, respond, act. That the Lord, Adonai, who is before, between, and beyond. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep, since I was in the black church, it'd be over with. It'd be beyond. It'd be gone. It'd be gone. Work with me. Work with me. Beyond, between, before, between, and beyond is our Lord alone. And you must love Ahava. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, love, that your essence of who you are, your soul. You must thirst for him. You must be nourished by him in all of your mihad. Mihad, that your strength is all focused on that very muchness in your life. As we pursue living in that way, that our heart, our will, and affection is centered with God, our soul, our whole physical life, and our being, our essence, our strength, our muchness is centered on God. All things God will work out to glorify him through us and pull out from us the passion that we so desire. Without trying to go around the passion, without going through and interconnected with God. God is the originator. God is the example. God is the, uh, uh, the purest form of love, the purest form of a heart, the purest form of strength, the purest form of soul. And when Christ mentions in Matthew or in, in Mark, when he mentions in Mark, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When he says mind and strength, he combines them together to loop around. This is a practical way of how this is lived out, that your mind is stayed on Christ, that your mind is focused on his will, that your mind is centered on what is going to glorify him all throughout the day. What is your mind focused on? 
I know power comes out today. Y'all may have saw it at midnight, but maybe focus on having a power party uh, later on today. I wish he'd hurry up. I got to get the chips or whatever. <laughs> maybe there's a game on. Our mind focused on Christ. He is the originator. He is the, he is the, the, the beginning, the originator of it. You know, um, earlier on in ministry and in, 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 our, in our world, cassette tapes were the bomb. <laughs> cassette tapes, man, my wife was literally a cassette DJ. That woman could take one song, blend it with a, like, mix it with a dual cassette thing. She was killer. I said, how'd you make that beat? Make a beat. Make, I was like, I couldn't understand how she'd bring this Michael Jackson into this. I was crazy. But then preaching or, or sermons or workshops or whatever the case is, they have a cassette uh, master right in the back. And that master takes what is going on in that moment to record that the original. And then they take that original and they make the copies from everything from there, right? You take the copy after church, you take the copy uh, um, uh, from the concert or whatever the case is, and you put that in the car and you expect to hear just what you heard at the event. Ah, ah, ah. You expect to hear what you saw, right? You went, oh, this is the bomb. Oh. You don't expect to hear something that's just different, right? It's just, I mean, I'm, you're, especially you're anticipating it. You just left, man, I want to put that thing in and hear that song again. And then all of a sudden, it's a newscast. You'd be a little upset, right? God is the originator. God is the one that builds copies, all of us as copies, so that when others see you, they say, well, where does the original tape come from? How did you look like this? How are you acting like this? Do you realize what's going on right now in your life? How is it that you can stand just like this? Because you are a copy of the original. You're not the original, but we are copies, carbon copies of the original. As we seek to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where are you at today? What's in competition to cut off you being a pure copy? Are people looking at your copy suspecting the original? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe today's the day to say, bump all of that. That's my issue. I pursued this over this way. I, I, I sought this over this way. I, I thought this was this way. I, I tell our young men all the time, if you don't live on purpose, focusing on your heart, being guided and directed by the Lord, your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then every day is an experiment. Who wants to experiment with everyday situation. You want to be focused and letting God guide you and direct you will bring about. Maybe today's the day that you'll recenter with God as the original. He can erase the tape. Oh, he can erase the tape. Woo, he can erase the tape. He can delete the stuff out there you thought could never come off. And as he, you know, back in the day you had to put something over the tape right here in order to put it back in. God's got systems in place through his son, Jesus Christ, who will forgive and restore, heal, and bring, more, bring forth joy that you never thought you could have again. He just says, trust me, pursue me, shema me, listen, obey, respond with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. As the originator, he got time all day. He got time all day. Whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's on the way home, he is there to restore your tape so that you can be that copy for the world to know. That's what passion looks like? Hold up, hold up. You mean that that's what God looks like? Lived out? Oh, I got to know this originator. 
I got an assignment for you. My assignment is this. To test out what may be in competition between you and God or to test out what is already with you and God and growing it more. For the next week, I want to encourage you that every hour on the hour that you would pray for 60 seconds. So next week, every 60 minutes, pray for 60 seconds. So when you wake up in the morning, you get yourself settled at 8 o'clock, pray till 8.01. And then go about your day. And then 9 o'clock, pray for 9.01. What you will find will be amazing. What you will find will be a whole nother awakening, I believe, and pray for you this way, of this connection with God, of this depth that God says, I want for you, so that your passion can be free in him. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you to stand. So God, I, I thank you for your word. I praise you for the Shema. I praise you for the fact that all of the commandments hang on those two scriptures. That we ought to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And in so doing, there's no way we can express that by holding that in. We must love our neighbor as ourselves. There's no way we can just hold that in. We must speak against injustices. We must move in ways that are uncomfortable because you have loved us so incredible. And as the originator of that love, let us give it a life of a copy of what that looks like. As originator of a heart that's pure before you, originator of a soul that's right before you, a mind that's pure before you, that our motives complement you as the originator, as a copy for all the world to see that we will glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.